0: This is one-on-one's NHL Podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three.
1: Oh, welcome back into Five On Three alongside Chris Hennessy and Jackson Heil. I'm Jack Caldwell, and we've got a very Rangers-oriented show for you this afternoon. Unfortunately. It's Cause there's not a lot going <sighs> on with the other Metro teams, not a lot going on around the league, but there's plenty. To dive into on those New York Rangers. So, look, David Quinn, head coach, year two. It was a bit of an up and down year one, but I think he's lost this Rangers fandom in year two, Jackson. Oh, man.
2: Where do I start? Where do I start? I I, I said this before the podcast. I'm going to try to keep my, my cool because th- this could get ugly really fast <laughs> if I really start to get out of control here, but... Yeah, Jack, I, I do think that the fan base is losing hope rapidly with Quinn and there were problems in year one for sure, and people were willing to let it slide because listen, you didn't have a ton of talent on the roster, and it's year one for an NHL coach, you're gonna go through rough stretches. But if anything in year two, not only has he not learned from the mistakes of year one, exactly, but he's actually making more mistakes in year two. And, and it's a real problem.
1: And that's what's really been bothering me, because he seems to be coaching this team like a college team, or like an AHL team, with such frequent line changes with the extreme disciplinarian. And by the way, I actually like that Quinn is tough on the young guys, but it's too much. When you have Brendan Lemieux and Tony D'Angelo sitting for a coach's decision every other week, when you're benching Brady Shea for two periods because he's not playing up to your consistency. And it seemed like I like that about him. If he scaled it back a little bit, it could be better. But playing Jesper Faust on the first line because you like his effort, that's such a college move. It doesn't, work in, it like doesn't work in the NHL. It's such a thing. It doesn't work in the NHL. And,
0: look, he, he's, young and he's young in terms of the NHL. You have to understand he's learning as well, but you can't be switching the lines like this every night. I mean, there has to be some sort of consistency. It's within especially games, Especially in the NHL. And every day in practice, if you're playing with a new line mate, that's not going to... That's not going to make you a better hockey player, no matter who, if you're Artemi Panarin or if you're Brett Houghton.
2: Just for some context here, uh, in last night's game against Arizona, Ryan Strom played more minutes than Leah Sanderson and Capo Cacco combined.
1: Yeah, well, combined. You have an example of David Quinn right there, because Cacco before the game said he was not having fun, and he meant that in terms of the fact that the Rangers aren't doing well and he's not playing well. And then Quinn gives him what? 13 minutes, his lowest numbers. He I played- don't care what he said. That's a fact. He's not having fun. I'm not surprised. He should be playing more.
2: And in the post game, he's like, Yeah, it was just the flow of the game. Oh, stop it. Flow of the game. Then why is Brendan Smith playing in the last two minutes of a game that's tied? Brendan Smith is a failed defenseman who's now your third line winger because you went to chop down to three lines. Why are you playing Brendan Smith was it? over Brendan Lemieux and Capo Capocacco, who and are Lemieux's two of your young guys really who are supposed
1: well. to be
0: developing? What, wasn't this a thing with AV in the playoffs one year where some bum defensive pair was out there in a game? Yeah, he
1: was way overplaying Girardi and Stahl. He don't, was way underplaying Don't under get under me playing playing
0: started with Shea. Mark we Stahl need and need over
2: Shea and Smith <laughs> when Brendan Smith was actually so, a competent top-four player. So the,
0: well, the main thing you Ranger fans, and the Ranger fans, not just you two, every Ranger fan, complained about with – uh, the end of the Elaine Vigneault era was the interesting way he played lower level guys in clutch in big spots. No, look, now, granted, there, it's October. I there are a lot of that, issues with AJ. But it's a tied game, and you can't have Brett Howden out there. You can't. You can't. Capo Cackle is the number two overall pick in the draft, and our Development Panarin, is pin- priority number one. Our Teddy Panarin is one of the biggest free agents to ever move
2: teams in the NHL, and they're not playing at that time. Well, Panarin's playing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really too upset about Panarin's advantage because that, that that's seemingly the only thing he's been able to figure out is that like after the now top line around in practice after for that. the top line, it's just clueless. And now Panarin's playing with Bucnevich and Strom on the second line, which is I, as much as I've been fine with Ryan Strom. He's not a second line center. And it, here's what it all comes down to for me: if you're going to preach development through all of this, then play your young guys. Like, I, like, we knew coming into this year that the Rangers weren't going to be a winning team. We, we just, we knew that. I mean, no one picked them to make the playoffs I on did. this podcast Chris, except they, for did. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. Good for you. Reverse psychology. Yeah. But you're at a point now where Filipito's in Hartford for no no good reason. Vitaly Kravtsov's in Hartford for, again, no good reason. With options to Russia, potentially. I we don't think he's going to go, week. though. Yeah, though. I'm not buying that, that.
1: That was fake news, basically. We, we, we,
0: we downplayed it last week, but it's out there.
2: But Brett... Why is Brendan Smith playing on the third line? That's what I don't get. Mark Stahl, who is the worst defenseman on the team, by a landslide, and and like it, I don't even think it's really all that close. And listen, there have been struggles from young guys in the blue line. Brady Shea has had a rough start to the year, and it's now kind of merged into a rough two years for him since his rookie year because he hasn't really shown a whole lot. But why is Mark Stahl your shut down guy? On defense, when you just paid Jacob Truba $8 million a year over seven
1: to be that guy. And look, I I think Quinn. It just makes no sense. I think Quinn would look at you and say, well, I want to pair Truba with Hayek to develop him. And I don't want Hayek in those situations. Then you pair Truba with someone else.
0: But he's so, he loves switching lines so much during the game. Then if you want to develop it then for the my, first switch, line,
2: switch it back up. My put pro- skay put ska- m- Shay next to him, excuse me. My problem is that I think that this Rangers coaching staff looks at Mark Stahl and sees this guy's a good player. <laughs> like that like that's that's yeah, where I get worried. Was- and guess what? No one wants to ask him about it. Like there has not been one question in a press conference about Mark Stahl, which which is stuff I'm I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it because everyone's asking like, oh, how good has Ryan Strome been lately as your top six center? And listen, he's been fine. He shouldn't be a top six center, but he's been fine. But like, ask about stuff that's actually important. And I think Larry Brooks wrote a great article today that Philip. There's no excuse for Filipedel not to be here. Yeah. Like, there is literally no excuse for him not to be here because if you're going to put so much stock into six meaningless preseason games, then put stock into what he's done at Hartford because he's got eight points in six games at Hartford. There's no stability in down the middle outside of Zabanejad on the first line. He's a guy who should have been your second-line center to start the year. He should be right now, and for some reason, he's still sitting at Hartford. It makes absolutely no sense. And this coaching staff seems utterly clueless to
1: me right and look, now. The thing about Hedl is he's been putting up six to eight shots per game in Hartford. And what's the number one thing the Rangers need? I mean, they've we've seen two of their last six periods where they've put up Two shots in a period. Two of the last six periods where they just can't shoot at all. What's the number one thing that you need? I think or there's two things you need. Defensive stability and someone who can actually shoot the puck more than once per game. And Filippito can come in there and he can generate offense that's not coming from Panarin or Zabanejad. So uh, I hate to connect
0: everything to the Islanders, but I'm going to do it very quickly. Oh, this, here this we is, go. This is an
1: Islander rant. Now listen up. Listen, listen, listen.
0: You're talking about a team who's weak down the middle behind their number one center the John Tavares Islanders, who have bad coaching and have good players in the AHL who they're not pairing up. The AHL players need to be on the team and be developed. It's October, so to give up hope on making the playoffs is a little bit far-fetched, but I understand that 2-4-1 and one is not how you want to start. The players need to be in the NHL to develop their NHL skills. It's not that complicated. So when you have problems down the center and you have two guys who play center in Hartford... Who are supposed to be part of the rebuild? You, it's always listed as the Rangers rebuilds going great because X, Y, Z, Philip Hedele and Vitali Krasov. Then they should be on the New York Rangers. And when you have a guy that's who's... the that's the center of the problem for me. I don't care about David Quinn's line combinations. I don't care about Brandon Smith on the third line. Players who should be in the NHL should be in the NHL.
2: But that that's, that's that, it. That, like that's my main problem with it. Like I, I know I mentioned Brandon Smith on the third line, but like that's a problem in itself because Vitali Krasov should be playing there. And instead, fair enough, fair they're enough. trying for a makeshift defenseman in that spot. And listen, I I, I hate to like crap on Brendan Smith so much because I feel like he's actually been decent in what he's been trying to do. Like I, I know I'm trashing him. I'm more trashing him because he just shouldn't be playing there. Yeah. Like like you want to put him on the fourth line, that's fine. But if 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 your staple of this rebuild is development, then you cannot staple him to Leah Sanderson and have Anderson play five minutes a night. You cannot staple Kraftsov and Hedl in Hartford when they should be playing in the NHL. And, and that's how these guys are going to learn. Like that. That's how these guys are going to learn is by playing real NHL minutes. There's so much talk about like how these guys need to learn. The quote about Capo Caco from Quinn the other day is really alarming to me, saying that what got him here... Is not going to be involved in what like he's he can't play like that anymore going forward. Like, why don't you let your eighteen year old skilled second overall pick, who was arguably the most talented player in the draft, why don't you let him play his game at the NHL level because that's what got him here? And the question if you're trying to teach him something else, it's just it, it makes no sense. The
0: question would then be why did you draft him? Yeah, why were you in the room that said yeah this is our guy? If you don't want him to play like how you got him, like how he got here. Capo
2: Cat is not having fun anymore. I don't blame him. I don't. I don't blame him at all. And I don't want to circle this back to Av because you brought it up before, and I don't think Av is a bad coach. I, I've been an Av guy, kind of since I was a Ranger fan, and I think it was his time to go. Like it, it came time where it just wasn't a marriage meant to be anymore.
1: And I don't think his firing necessarily had to do with specific line issues. as my but as he's just a, the, he's a
2: fine coach. Like yeah. he is a fine coach. I mean, you look what he's doing. In Philadelphia, they have some of the best shot metrics in the league right now. And listen, I know it's only, what, seven or eight they're games seven into games the in, year? Yeah. Philadelphia but, seven games in. But it should be really alarming that the Rangers are clearly the worst expected goal and shot team in the NHL. Not only with that, but the fact that they are playing a style that they're trying to win. They, they're The way that the lineup's constructed, to me, seems like David Quinn is in win-now mode. Because development doesn't seem to matter right now to he, him because he's playing all these veterans. But it, it's uh, it's it's just ridiculous. The
0: reason I liked David Quinn, now obviously I don't root for the Rangers, but the reason I thought David Quinn was a great hire for the Rangers is he was a college coach for five years, and in his last four years, he won 20 games, went to the tournament all four years, and was the runner-up in 2015. This is a guy who knows how to develop young players over the course of a season to get them into a position to win a national championship.
2: Oh, that's a load of crap. From me or from general? No, just that, that, that take in general. I, I, I think there's a reason this guy was a college coach, because they can't make it to the NHL. And that's why it's so difficult for college coaches to make the jump to the NHL. I mean, they, I, they don't seem the only, to know. The only they don't one seem to get had, it at this level. Recently was Haxtell. He got fired, too. And he sucked. He wasn't good. He was terrible. So maybe this is just a college a coach thing. Maybe de-
0: developing them in the NHL isn't the same, but it, it should at least be tried. Another like one that.
2: is John Hines, and he's going to get the ax soon. My my point is that he should be given the, he
0: should be given or give himself the opportunity to develop young players because that's what he knows.
2: I agree. I, I he,
0: agree. He doesn't know the NA, he doesn't know the NHL game as well as he knows the college game. He should give him an op, give himself an opportunity to develop young players. That's he, my point.
1: Here's what I want. I want line consistency. I want the players to be developed with this line consistency. I don't want to see different lines in practice every day, in games every day. Give these guys some consistency, some stability, and give the young guys talent. The other thing is you're not going to know if a line combination works after 20 minutes, don't, don't make no matter Leas, how good the players Don't make Lea Sanderson have to pass to Greg McKegg, okay? Don't make Capo Kako try to take passes from Ryan Strom. Give these guys some stability and some talent together. That's all I want to I see. Don't,
2: I don't even really care too much about how much they've switched the lines. Just give these guys consistent minutes.
1: Like, I, I know that Anderson probably goes can't tan- be playing 11 minutes a night. Coco He's not playing even playing pitch. 11 minutes yeah, right. He's more like He's played
2: like five minutes against Arizona. Here's my thing about Anderson, because I think Anderson has shown enough to get at least a crack at taking the second-line center spot, even though there is no way in hell that's going to happen with the way Quinn and the rest of his coaching staff is treating him. But if they weren't okay with giving Heedle and Krafts out fourth-line minutes in the NHL, then why are they okay with giving Anderson those minutes? That tells me that this entire front office and this entire coaching staff has essentially given up on Leah Sanderson being a top-six center. Player, Who was, 2017, 2017, he was their first round 2017? was seventh overall pick. He was the first pick of the rebuild. He was the guy that they got with the pick that they traded for in the Derek Stepon trade. How are you giving up on a 20-year-old player this early in his career when you are literally in the midst of a rebuilding stage, it makes no sense to and, me.
1: And you have Brett Howden playing that spot, who nobody ever joke. nobody ever looked at him as being anything more than a third-line center at best. And that's when you looked at him in the rebuild. There's our bottom six center. Okay, we've got a good guy who can play the bottom six, maybe like a Jesper Faust sort of player. He was never the number two center who you want playing with Kako who you want to give those minutes to. It was always supposed to be Anderson or Hedl from the get-go. You have Hedl not even playing, who, a guy you could use. And Anderson, granted, he's gotten some good minutes on the PK, but otherwise, not much. I He's shown that he can be a strong two-way center. He's proven it to the Rangers with his age, and they haven't given him anything. I think it's ridiculous. I'll
2: say this. is not what I signed up for when they sent this letter out about the rebuild. The, yeah. th- this is the exact opposite of what I signed up for. I expected at least to have some sort of situation where I'd be able to watch young players play, even with losing. I'm okay with the losing. I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan. I've seen them barely win 100 games combined over the last two years. I'm fine with them losing if they're going in the right direction and they're playing their young guys, which they are. But with the Rangers, the situation is completely different because they're not showing any willingness to give their young guys a chance and let these guys develop the proper way. And that's where I get lost in this whole rebuild nonsense. If this is going to continue, then... I think there needs to be a serious question about whether David Quinn is the right guy for John Davidson and for Jeff Gordon. And I'm already, I've am i already reached that point. Like We're, we're barely into year two, and, and I'm having those significant questions. And if they lose three or four in a row more, and they end up losing 10 games in a row, which is a very realistic possibility of the schedule they have coming up. They have Buffalo tomorrow. They have Tampa Bay and Boston coming up after that, and then Ottawa. So that th- those are... We could realistically see them lose nine games in a row with them not really playing any of these young guys. If that's the case, then I think there needs to be a serious conversation about whether Quinn can seriously continue as a coach.
1: Yeah, John Davidson is a real hockey guy. I trust him about, as well as anyone, to pick the right guy to lead this rebuild moving forward. Quinn, obviously, not his guy because Davidson was hired this summer. But so he's Gorton's guy. He is Gorton's guy. So that's w- where I
2: get worried so about So at this. what
1: point is the blame
0: placed on Gorton. Now, I understand and, that... And ho- what firing... about,
1: You know what I thought about? Jim Dolan, I get it. Not a hockey guy. Jim Dolan's Is there guy. anything that has to do with Dolan saying that he wants to see more winning now? Do you think that could play into it all? No, no I, don't. I don't. Not
2: at all. Because if he wants to see more winning now, then even if, like, he wanted to say that, then the way to win more now is to play your skill guys there, so and they're Jack, not doing that. So,
1: if that's the case, why... I, that That increases my frustration with Gorton and Quinn or wherever this is coming from why they're trying to win now it makes no sense my
0: question the hiring of John Davidson who's a GM kind of guy how much is that is that clashing up upstairs I guess is my question like between Gorton and Davidson and how much how much of these decisions are placed on Gorton's plate as opposed to Davidson's it seems like a an interesting kind of business model if you will where you could have just fired Gorton and hired Davidson as the general manager Or no?
2: No, I I, I have no problem with the Davidson hire, and I I have no problem with kind of the relationship between Gorton and Davidson. I think they both know their roles, and Davidson's been in the league for a long time, so I think he knows his role as a president. But where I would get lost is if Gorton and Davidson are watching this and this was their plan all along. That's where I would really have alarm bells ringing off in my head because if this was their plan— for the rebuild, and this is how the, they want to go forward, and this is the direction they want to take, then the Rangers have even more questions than I realized. Because I at this point, I'm pinpointing it on the coach, but I think it's a great point that you made, Chris, because Dave David Quinn is a Jeff Gorton guy. And if this is kind of the direction that they've come to together, and this is the way they want to carry things. Then the Rangers have a lot more problems than we realized.
1: Right, and we don't really know how much the front office yeah, and we is don't meddling know. with this, so we can't really judge that right now. And
2: I'm going to leave the judgment open Fair enough. on Gordon and Davidson together. But yeah, no, it it, it could get really ugly. We're only in New six York. games
1: in. So we can't It's October twenty third. We need to reserve some time for them. That being said, you can't throw away season, you can't throw away half a season. The Rangers have the talent. You don't know how many NHL teams who are trying to rebuild who would love to have the talent the Rangers have, and yet the Rangers don't seem like they really know what to do with it yet. So they have some time to figure their stuff out. But not that much time because you don't want to waste a half a year and then say a half year goes by, it doesn't play out, you fire Quinn, you can't find the guy, the coach that you want to play these guys. You could waste a whole season very feasibly of their development, which could be a big problem. So I I think I'm just going to leave it at that. You have one more point, Jackson? Yeah, one more last point on
2: this as a whole. And here's the thing about coaching in the NHL. All these guys are pretty much the same, to be honest. Like They all trust their old veterans more than they do young guys. And that's really the same around the league. Like, you look even last year, like Rod Brindamore, who's probably praised as one of the better coaches in the NHL right now. Sveshnikov was getting scratched last year at points, really for no reason. He was a guy who was kind of stapled to the third and fourth line at times, only playing 10 minutes a night until later in the year where he built up more confidence. This happens around the league. It happened with A.V. when he was here. He He's a guy who trusted his veterans a lot more, but once... After year one and year two, when they really shifted into more of a younger team, he didn't trust guys like Brady Shea when they came up, and he didn't trust his young rookies like Filippito when he, had he came a team up. That was, he had a team fresh off a cup run, though. Yes. So it's a little bit different. Yes. No, 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 Like I'm not saying that he did the wrong thing in that regard, but after year two, when, again, like I said, they shifted into more of a younger team mm-hmm. and got rid of some veterans, he trusted veterans who weren't as good to play bigger roles. Um, namely Pavel Buchnevich, a guy who barely played under AV. And Bucinevich still has trouble getting out of the doghouse with David Quinn. But the problem with this situation specifically is that the Rangers are in a period right now where winning doesn't really matter all that much this year. And it shouldn't matter all that much. It should not be a priority. But David Quinn is making it seem to me like that's a priority and that's why he's playing all these veterans instead of the young guys when he is claiming that this is his ideal development. No matter which is the case, it's the wrong way in my opinion. And until that gets figured out, I don't think anything's gonna change in New York. And that's a sad possibility.
1: Rangers fans signed up for the rebuild. We're all in on it. Just actually do it. You have the talent. Just play them. Now on to the Islanders. Let's go. <laughs> Not much going on there, Chris. Oh well
0: they've excuse you, they've won f- four straight games well they haven't played they haven't in forever played, though they that's my point point. Haven't played in for a long time but the one thing that i've seen they've won as i said four straight games it was uh florida st louis winnipeg and columbus and the one thing i've been seeing is matt barzall this guy's been great he is i would love him to have a breakout year this year and just solidify himself as a superstar now the other half of that is he's due for a contract at the end of the year but I would obviously love for him to solidify himself as a superstar and the main reason is he's shooting the puck. And you just talked about it, Jack, with the Rangers. He is not afraid to let it fly. At his his rookie season, he was passing it a lot more. He had about sixty assists. Last year he looked like he was a little bit hesitant to shoot the puck. This year he is letting it fly and find the back of the net and it's a lot of fun to watch. They're playing uh Arizona tomorrow night at home. And then they've got um they've got Ottawa and Philadelphia this weekend. So uh, it, they're they're poised to to be a really good team if this offense can can keep finding ways to win games. The offense isn't we talked about it a hundred times. They're not talented enough to put up five goals a game. But if they keep finding ways to win games, and Barzal is going to be the key to that, they're they're going to have a successful season.
2: I think the one thing that has been important for me watching the Islanders has been Varlamov has settled in really nicely. After he after, had he two had he had, two, he had a tough start, but the his game, first two games were bad. His last yep, two games have been good. Yep. I mean, the game against, what was it, St. Louis? I feel like he played strong.
0: Florida. What, Florida I, was I, I Varlamov. St- yes, St- you right. was right. St. Yes, Louis.
2: You're, you're right. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I've been impressed with Varlamov. And, and Grice is a guy who I've been pretty confident with going forward if he's used in the right role, which it seems like they're going to do the same thing as last year with the timeshare between those two. It looks like it, Wh- yeah. it, Which is how Barry Trot should handle it, especially with the defensive structure that, the Islanders have, because they're a team that's not going to allow a ton of quality chances. They'll give up quantity for sure, and they Mm -hmm. actually are one of the worst teams in the league in terms of number of shots against per game. But they keep them on the outside. outside And they limit the quality, and I think that's important, especially when you're going to be rotating goalies like they do, because if you give up so many quality chances, guys are going to gas, and then it doesn't Mm -hmm. allow them to get into a rhythm. When you have a ton of shots from outside, it allows these goalies to really get in a rhythm, and even if they're kind of exchanging game by game, then I, I think that's important. And, listen, the Islanders, are they're really the same team as last year. Yep, Like, we haven't really it seen is possible, much different from last
0: year. It's possible Varlamov has, I don't know about a similar season to Leonard. He was a Vesna Trophy finalist, but a similar kind of change is he was the number one goalie in Colorado for so many years and was never good enough to get them over the hump. Now, if he plays a 35 to 45 game season, he'll just be a better goalie. Like we saw with Robin Leonard, he was you know the 65, 70 goal, 70 game goalie back in Buffalo and it wasn't good enough. And now he plays 45 games and he's a Vezan Trophy finalist.
2: Yeah, no, I think his numbers are going to see a spike for sure, even though he's going to play less games than I'm sure he's used to. But yeah, like I was saying, like the Islanders really aren't much of a different team from last year, and they're really not giving up a ton of quality, yet they're also not getting a ton of quality chances. Right. It's really relying on their top six and relying on the skill of the top six, plus getting contributions from the back end with their grinder lines. and they, They've done that over the last four games, was really impressed with the resolve in the St. Louis performance where mm-hmm. they come back from down two goals with five and a half minutes left, and then they get the winner in overtime from Devontae's. And then the game in Winnipeg where Barzal just was electric in that, yeah. in that period. Yeah, they where They should not have won.
0: won that hockey game, man. They should they not have won that hockey they game. They shouldn't
2: have, but when you have Matt Barzal, sometimes you will win hockey games based off skill, and they yep. did for sure. So the Islanders are in fine shape going forward. They kind of got through that tough stretch to start the season. I wouldn't be too worried about them, especially with the goaltending that they're going to get.
1: Yeah, I'm not here to totally regurgitate what I said last week, but pretty much is score goals and continue to limit them. They have not had a problem in terms of limiting goal scoring. I believe in the heart and soul of this team. What it comes down to is being able to put the puck in the back of the net on your side and if Barzal can transform into the superstar that he's the potential to become and that top six can continue to produce and they can continue to get physical production from the bottom six, you're going to see a pretty similar year, year to last year if not a little better.
0: Yeah, the only thing with comparing it to last year is uh, Casey Zizekas has been hurt, and obviously, we, you know, he hope he's going to come back healthy. But he had 20 goals last year, and that's a guy who, if you're going to have a similar season to last year in a game in games you're going to win by one goal, he can't really lose 10 goals somewhere. And I I believe in Casey Zizekas. he's one of my favorite players to watch on the Islanders. Uh, but you really want a big season, not a big season, but a comparable season to, uh, from last year out of him, uh, where the first couple of games weren't very good, but and now he's hurt, so uh, we'll see what that. Entails when it comes back, when he comes back.
1: Anything more? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm good. Yeah, I, the Chris scheduling. Got his, Chris the got NHL. his rant in about the Islanders. No, He's yeah, all good. The I'm I'm good. scheduling in the NHL has been just yeah. Terrible. I mean, yeah, the they fact got, that all three metro the Rangers got gypped the worst, but all three metro course, teams have had. Of course, had, if you look at the numbers, they actually have. They I mean, one it, game in it, twelve, is is 12 it, days
2: is that necessarily wrong to say? I mean, no, I'm, I'm making fun. They play two games in sixteen days. I'm
0: making fun of Jack. I'm not actually being serious. Um, Good. But Good. no, <laughs> no the the Islanders. Yeah, they they're doing the same. The Rangers did something like that where they had to travel a uh, far distance on a back to back after having four days off. The Islanders are doing the same thing. They had a game in Columbus on Saturday night, and then they're playing at home on Thursday. Then in Ottawa on Friday. So. Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, I can't speak for all 31 NHL teams, but no team at this point in the season, it means you should probably cut a week out of the season now, if you're giving this off time. Now, I,
0: I will defend the NHL in this. They're playing the Coyotes. Now, the Coyotes only, obviously are only coming here once a year, right? Yeah, so but they're why, do here need, now. why do you need to— Hold p- on, because they're playing New Jersey— Is it tonight? The Western
1: Conference teams come for their Metro Swing. Why are the Rangers only playing the Western Conference teams coming for the Metro Swing? They can play... Right, they can play other teams. Closer teams. That's I get... Look, the Rangers, they played Edmonton, or they hosted Edmonton, they hosted Arizona. Great. You want to bring the Western teams over for the Metro Swings, but you can play other teams in that time that are way closer because 80% of the teams in the NHL are within a three-hour flight from New York.
0: Right. But, yeah, so the Islanders are doing the same thing right now. They have... uh, Then they have Philly, and then they have... They have home game at home against Philly on Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off for another home game on Friday.
1: Yeah, I they should either cut just a week out of the schedule in terms of timing. And then you also look, I again, I can't speak for the Islanders or the Devils, but the Rangers, they have their West Coast California swing. They have one night off between at Anaheim and then home versus Nashville. And then their Western Canadian swing, they have two nights off before coming back home. So... It just doesn't make sense to not get enough nights off there and then have, a you know, all this time off now. But anyway, on to the Devils. They seem to be getting back on track.
0: Yeah, the, you, you called it with the Rangers game. You said the Devils were going to win. They won. Jack Hughes got his first
1: point. And then yeah, he gets I said his, both things were totally going to happen. <laughs>
0: and his first goal
1: against his brother in
0: a one nothing game against Vancouver. That was a That was a good game. But, yeah, it seems like they're kind of back on track, and maybe that's just all they needed. Maybe they just needed to break the ice and just kind of get a little bit of confidence in the room and they'll put together a season that we anticipated them having, which was much better than their first
2: six games. My problem with New Jersey is that their top lines at 5-on-5 five five have really struggled, and and that's kind of where I look at as the problems for the Devils going forward because they need their top two lines to be really good if they're going to make the playoffs right. because obviously they have their own problems on the back end outside of really Vatanen and Butcher. And the goaltending is an issue in itself. And Subban, of course. I forgot about P.K. Subban for a second, so apologies there. But you look at the expected goal numbers. I mean, Nikita Gusev, his expected goal percentage is 27.64 when he's on the ice. That's not good. That's not very good. And you look at the rest of their top line. Heischer, Hughes, Paul, Is I believe Hall's there as well. Yeah, Taylor Hall's even worse than those guys. Their top two lines have been hemmed in their own zone repeatedly in this start to the season. And that can't be the case if the Devils are going to make the playoffs going forward just because if that's going to happen and your top two lines are going to be hemmed in their own zone so much, then how are you scoring? The only way you're going to really be able to score is on the power play. And, I mean, you look at the games that they got back on track. The Rangers game, Rangers gave up too many penalties and the difference in that one was Paul Mary tucking one in on the power play to take the lead. And then the game against Vancouver, Jack Hughes, the goal they scored was on a power play. So that that's kind of where the Devils are at right now. They have to be a lot better at 5-on-5 five five because the way they're playing right now, is not sustainable going forward in terms of are they going to be able to continue to win games. Obviously they came out so flat and they were pretty deserving of their own six record. I mean, you look at the games they blew in that sequence. I mean, the 4-2 yeah, lead to yeah. Winnipeg and then the 4-1 lead they had against Florida. So uh, the Devils are in a bad spot going forward. And I'm not sure if you guys have talked about this because I wasn't on the pod last week, but John Hines at leash is short. Yeah. It's, very, it's short. very short. It's, it's, short. it's very short. You got the
1: assistant GM in on it now, on uh, the bench. So, look, I think the it's going to be interesting to see what the Devils with the goaltending situation is moving forward. Because is Mackenzie Blackwood your starter?
0: Um, yes, he has to be over <sighs> over, over an old and coming off injury Corey Schneider. I think he has yeah, to but be. It's still Corey but
1: Schneider. It's
0: yeah, but is it really? I mean, and he,
1: and you're still talking about Mackenzie Blackwood too, like.
0: Yeah, I know, and I don't think their goaltending situation was great to begin with. And they lost Keith Kincaid, which uh, oh they traded Keith Kincaid last year, which was that the right decision? I'm not really sure. Uh, but they've put a lot of faith in Mackenzie Blackwood, and it has to. And they have to roll with him at this point because they they got rid of Keith Kincaid because they thought this kid was the real deal. So they have to roll with them.
2: They're in the Devils are in a lot of trouble. I think just because of they're they're putting so many eggs in one basket, and that basket doesn't seem to be a good basket to be putting all their eggs in, which is Mackenzie Blackwood and their top six being as good as it has to be. And their top six has been brutal to start the year, especially a five on five. So um, shifting over for a sec, the Heischer deal. I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah, I got talk about the Heischer deal. Big fan of that contract for the Devils. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge difference maker. And I mean, him coming off his rookie deal, was it seven seven years, fifty something, just a little over fifty million dollars. Yeah, that's a bargain. Yeah, it's seven and t-shirt. change over seven, I believe. I'll look it up. That is a bargain for. I him think t-shirt. so too. And I'm, I'm surprised he honestly committed to New Jersey for that long. Not just the fact that it's New Jersey. But I feel like he could have waited out New Jersey for a year or two, taken a bridge deal and then gotten for this, and then gotten a huge payday yep. if he really wanted to. But also, on the other side of this, this would make him a free agent at 27. He's 20 or, now, so yes, it would be 27. So he would be a free agent at 27. He still get big money then. That's a perfect opportunity for him to make big money. So I, I think this is also a win-win for both of these sides because – he sure gets paid pretty affluently over the next seven years, and then get the spot where he can go into free agency, and the Devils get their number one center for the future locked up for the next seven years. No brainer for both sides. In it's my opinion. yeah, was
0: seven years, fifty point seven five million dollars, which I think is a great deal for the Devils. Yep. Um, I think a lot of teams who have young centers like this would be very fortunate if they were able to get a contract like that for their guy. Um, and in terms of heshier yeah, I mean he's he and his agent are now buying into the Jack Hughes and Taylor Hall. Uh, the eggs in the basket that you just said. I mean, they're they're thinking that these guys are gonna. I mean, it's we're only eight games in, so it's. It, mm-hmm. I I think that having him buy in this early is, is only gonna help. Just because you you have guys who have to work well together because that, as you said, Jackson, that's how they're gonna score goals. That's how they're gonna win games. So, uh, having their their center, their number one center, signed for seven years, I think is mm-hmm. huge.
1: So I think that's a good place to wrap it up here because our Rangers rents did go pretty long, <laughs> and it's not like there's any other really alarming stories to get to in the NHL. So that'll do it for us on the five on three podcast for Chris Hennessy, Jackson Heil. I'm Jack Caldwell. Thanks for listening.